BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Yes, it's one of the most iconic whistles in animation history. That's right, Steamboat Willie whistling for the very first time in the first ever animated feature that synced up music or sound with the picture. It's also, rather famously, the first appearance of one of the most beloved American icons, Mickey Mouse. And Steamboat Billy is about to have a birthday. It was released in 1928, and coming up January 1st of 2024, it's going to be 95 years after its first release. That's important for legal reasons, because, because anonymous or pseudo-anonymous pieces of artistic work are protected by United States copyright law for, you guessed it, 95 years, meaning that come January, Steamboat Willie is going to be in the public domain, which means that if you wanted to have Steamboat Willie subs, or Steamboat Willie sofas, or Steamboat Willie's concrete and asphalt repair company, presumably you could. But here's where things get kind of interesting legally, because for most people, Steamboat Willie is Mickey Mouse. Not really. The modern version of Mickey Mouse is substantially different in appearance from Steamboat Willie. Being in color, having the gloves and the shoes, and just kind of the general shape, which is very similar, but not identical to Steamboat Willie. And this is the reason that matters. Even though Steamboat Willie will go into the public domain, Mickey Mouse will not. And that's because the later and current designs of Mickey Mouse, those copyrights will still persist. And in addition to the copyright that protects Mickey Mouse, there are trademark laws that protect Mickey Mouse. And the big distinction between trademarks and copyrights is that trademarks could be forever. You have to renew them every 10 years. You have to prove that you're still using the mark involved in a commercial way. Shouldn't be hard for Disney to establish that over and over and over again. And as long as you establish that, a trademark can persist forever through 10-year renewals. And so even if Mickey Mouse expired on a copyright basis, the trademark would persist. But there is one extra little twist here, and that's that if you use Steamboat Willie in order to do something commercial or to create stories or something like that, or later when maybe Mickey Mouse's copyright goes away, but the trademark still exists because you're not using an image anymore, you're writing a story, you could do that so long as you don't make people think of Disney since they've invested so much over all this time in that particular character. And so even if it were legally allowed maybe to use the copyright without using the trademark, Disney could come after you for infringing the trademark by borrowing upon the reputation identity or something like that. So here's my recommendation as a layman. Before you open Steamboat Willie Paving and Grading next year, Maybe consult a lawyer to make sure you're not going to spend the first 15 years of your business fighting the Disney legal team. What time is it? Seems like a fairly straightforward question, but the answer has a certain frame of reference, right? You say it's 11.33 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, or Eastern Daylight Time, or Pacific Time, or whatever. Uh, we'll get to that part in a moment. What year is it? Oh, well, 2022, obviously. What defines that year? The birth of Christ, right? And you have Anno Domini, which is the years after the birth of Christ, and BC, which is years before the birth of Christ. 
Although even there, there's some historical dispute about whether we have the right year as one. But that's not that important for the moment. And of course, more recently, there's been a push to have it be current era CE and before current era BCE in order to remove the religious reference from it. But should time be stamped on the basis of a person's existence here on the earth, let alone a religious figure, even one as important as Jesus Christ? Well, this is an ongoing question. But should time be based on that standard? Well, scientists in China have proposed a different standard. Not particularly surprising. It's not the first time that somebody has said that a religious framework should not be the basis of standard time. But that's not the reason they're objecting. What they're saying is that the kind of specificity you need in timekeeping with regards to space travel and the difference that, for example, a thousandth of a second can make in figuring out how far away something is from us based on radio waves, that it's going to become ever more crucial to have a very standard timekeeping basis that's going to be useful across not just necessarily the solar system, but perhaps farther places away. In fact, apparently what the Chinese want to do is not even have it based on Earth, but instead based on the center of the sun and possibly combining or replacing this with something based on pulsars. In fact, since 2004, we've had the Parks Pulsar Timing Array, the purpose of which was to combine data from 19 different pulsars in order to create an extremely specific timescale that could be used to detect gravitational waves. So the one thing everybody seems in agreement about is the importance of highly specific time references. The challenge we're going to have figuring out is exactly what those are and then whether they refer to the standard yearly reference to the birth of Jesus Christ. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And finally, from the billionaires yelling at each other on social media file, I bring you Donald Trump versus Elon Musk. This week, Elon Musk on Twitter posted a series of tweets suggesting that former President Trump, 76 years old, should end his political career and not run for the presidency in 2024 because he's too old. He said, I don't hate the man, but it's time for Trump to hang up his hat and sail into the sunset. He also said, Dems should also call off the attack. Don't make it so that Trump's only way to survive is to regain the presidency. He continued, do we really want a bull in a China shop situation every single day? Also, I think the legal maximum age for start of presidential term should be 69. In response on Truth Social, since former President Trump's account has been frozen off Twitter, he wrote, when Elon Musk came to the White House asking me for help on all of his many subsidized projects, whether it's electric cars that don't drive long enough, driverless cars that crash, or rocket ships to nowhere, without which subsidies he'd be worthless and telling me how he was a big Trump fan and Republican, I could have said quote, drop to your knees and beg, end quote, and he would have done it. Trump went on saying now Elon should focus on getting himself out of the Twitter mess because he could owe $44 billion for something that's perhaps worthless. Also, lots of competition for electric cars. Never one to just let the argument fade away, Elon Musk then tweeted LMAOOO, I'm not sure what the extra O's stand for, and shared a gif of the old man yells at clouds meme from The Simpsons. Of course, part of the interesting history here is that Elon Musk had been a part of Trump's strategic and policy team before he left the administration in June of 17 to protest Trump's pulling out of the Paris Climate Agreement. For his part, Trump previously likened Elon Musk to Thomas Edison in January of 2020 and described him as one of our great geniuses. 
an affection which was reciprocated in May of 2020 as Elon Musk wanted to reopen Tesla's car factory in California despite COVID-19 restrictions, and Trump supported that. So what's the takeaway from all this? I don't know. When a couple of billionaires with massive globe conquest in mind are yelling at each other on social media, it kind of reminds me of the Dr. Seuss story of the Zacks. Remember the Zacks, the two weird creatures who encounter each other basically in a desolate wilderness and start yelling and one will not let the other go by, neither one will step out of the way, and eventually they argue and fight for so long that they become institutionalized in that place and the story is that they build roads and houses in an entire city all the way around them, leaving them as a monument to stubbornness right in the middle of it all. Not sure why I would think about that at this moment, but maybe somebody can figure it out. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup, and consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. While you're here, hit the five-star review. Even the Zacks approve. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.